Will you please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews and chapter 6. Hebrews 6. Today we'll be in verses 16 through 18. And we're going to read all of 13 through 20 to get us started. But Hebrews 6, 16 through 18 is our passage for a four-week sermon series we're calling Anchored. In Hebrews 6, verse 19, that's the key verse for our sermon series. It says this at the beginning of verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. When do you need an anchor? What is an anchor? You need an anchor when you need more than your own strength to hold on. And Jesus Christ offers an anchor for your soul, an anchor for your soul. So we're spending four weeks looking at this anchor for our souls. I'm going to read our whole passage, verses 13 through 20, and then we're going to focus in on 16 through 18. Before I read from Hebrews 6, let me pray. Lord, all week you have not slept or slumbered, You have prepared each day for us, and this week you have prepared this worship service for our hearts to make us more like Christ, and you have prepared this message this morning to feed your family. So give us eyes to see your words this morning and hearts to receive everything you have in store for us from your word with obedience, joy, and gladness. Thank you for this time in your word. In Christ's name, amen. Hebrews and chapter 6, we're going to be reading verse 13 through 20. I will read that, and then we'll look at 16 through 18. Hebrews 6, starting in verse 13. This is the glorious, life-giving word of God. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear— He swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone As a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Last week we looked at verses 13 through 15, and we saw that we are 
anchored by a promise. This anchor our souls have to hold on to is anchored by a promise. God is a promise maker and he keeps all of his promises. So he's a promise keeper. God's a promise maker. God's a promise keeper. We can anchor our souls in him because even though we've broken promises, he will never break a promise. He promises and he keeps his promises. And the cross of Jesus Christ is our proof that even if it would cost God's own son to fulfill the promise to Abraham, He would, and he did, and now the tomb is empty. Jesus has given us victory. God keeps his promises. Next week, we'll see that we're anchored by a hope in verse 19 and verse 20, anchored by a high priest. But today, verses 16 through 18, that's our text. We are anchored by the unchangeable. We're anchored by the unchangeable. Your soul, through Christ, can have an anchor that will never change. It will never move. It will never wiggle. It is unchangeable. We see this in verses 16 through 18. Let me read it again. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So in our message this morning, We've got four phrases which are going to help explain this passage, and then four things we have to consider to apply this passage to our lives. First, the four phrases. First, God made an oath. Second, for his heirs. I'll say them again, don't worry. Third, by the unchangeable. And fourth, to encourage. Four phrases to summarize our passage. God made an oath for his heirs by the unchangeable to encourage. One at a time, God made an oath. Look at verse 17. When God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. If you were with us last week, you know that the author of Hebrews is referring back to the story in Genesis 22 of when Abraham is asked to offer up his own son Isaac. And in Abraham's mind, Isaac was the proof that God was going to keep his promise. But if Isaac would die, how could God keep his promise? So the author of Hebrews is reminding us of Abraham's test of faith and God, at the last minute, keeping his promise. Well, God didn't just promise to Abraham, I'll do it. I hope I'll do it. Maybe I'll do it. Cross your fingers. God adds in Genesis 22 an oath to that promise. God guaranteed it with an oath. Uh, Raise your hand if you've ever made an oath, an official oath. I see some hands going up. Oaths are rare today, but we see them in our U.S. Constitution. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 8, about uh, an inauguration of a president. Speaking about an elected president, says this, Before he enter on the execution of his office, he shall take the following oath or affirmation. Maybe you've heard this on Inauguration Day. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. 
It used to be something everyone in the country knew. It used to be something where you could really say to a sitting president, you promised to honor the Constitution and you're not. And that used to carry a lot of weight to it. Now it seems more and more like it's just a formality. Well, what were oaths in the days of Abraham and in the days of the author of Hebrews? Oaths were not contractually binding. What people did when they made a contract is they didn't sign on the dotted line, right? That's how we would sign a contract. People said, I promise I'm going to give you these goods for that price. I promise I'm going to put you on my boat and carry your goods to the next port. I promise I will work for you for seven years. I promise I will give you the first 10% of my harvest, whatever it might be. And they didn't sign on a dotted line on a piece of paper anywhere. They sealed those arrangements with their word. They said, I give you my word. That's an oath. God gave Abraham his word. God stakes his own life and reputation on the oath. And when, you know, a seven-year-old comes around and says, I give my word that I'm going to clean my room tonight. Well, that doesn't carry a lot of weight. But when the creator of the universe, whose words spoke the cosmos into existence— His word carries weight. He said, I'll make a promise. I give you my word. God made an oath. That's phrase number one to carry us through our passage. Phrase number two is God made an oath for his heirs, for his heirs. Look at 17 again. And this is beautiful. Listen to this. Verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise— The unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So God wanted to show more convincingly to who? To the heirs, to the heirs of his promise, to the offspring of Abraham. Abraham's biological offspring were the offspring of Abraham. And they did eventually grow into so many and they moved into the promised land. God kept his promises for the biological offspring of Abraham. But this promise is not just for Abraham's physical descendants, and that's a big theme in the book of Hebrews. The promise is for the spiritual descendants, everyone who was called on the name of the Lord Jesus for salvation. We are all added into that family of God. We are heirs of the promise. And that promise, when God made it, he sealed it with an oath. He made an oath for his heirs. Now, isn't it interesting that God knows that we are prone to doubt? We're humans. We've been let down. We've made promises and broken them in the past. It's hard to trust sometimes. We read God's Word and sometimes we waver. Sometimes we doubt. Sometimes we question God. Sometimes we say Psalm 13 right back to God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Sometimes our hearts go there because we change. He doesn't, but we do. And what does God do in light of a people who waver? It says, instead of judging our little faith, it says he desired to show more convincingly. When God sees his children struggling with doubts, God's heart wants to reassure you. He wants to encourage you. He doesn't say, why is your faith so weak? 
He says, let me help you remember that I'll keep my promise. I want to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise. When you doubt, what is God's response? He desires to prove himself to you. Just like a good father wants to prove his reliability to his kids. Phrase one, God made an oath. Phrase two, for his heirs, and that's you if you are in Jesus Christ. Third, by the unchangeable. Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. What are the two unchangeable things? That's God's purpose and God's promise. What are the two unchangeable things that we're anchored by? God's purpose and God's promise. They do not change. God's promise is written in stone. Could I say God's promise has been nailed to the cross? Could I say that God's promise is on display in Jerusalem right now because there is a tomb that is forever going to be empty because God keeps his promises? God, his purpose will not change and his promise does not change either. God's promise is sealed by two unchangeable things. His purpose in all of human history and his promise to make it happen, those things don't change. That's our third phrase, by the unchangeable, his purpose and his promise. And fourth, the fourth phrase is God did all of this to encourage. To encourage. Why did he do all this to encourage? Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie— We who have fled for refuge, and that's a lot of us, isn't it? Might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Which the author will go on to say is an anchor for our souls. How do we hold on to that anchor? How do we throw that anchor in while we're on the boat and the waves and the storm are coming? How can we rest on the boat? How can we do that? Because when you need an anchor... It means you're in a scary situation. Holding on to God's anchor is our act of faith. And God did all of these things in history through Abraham, made the promise, sealed it with an oath, by two unchangeable things, so that we would be encouraged to wake up tomorrow and face whatever's going to happen. Because God only knows what's going to happen to you this week. I don't know, and you don't know. How many of you over the last five years Every single thing in your life has gone exactly as planned. Could I say how many over the last five weeks? Could I say five days? Could I say five hours? We need this encouragement. So friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, when you doubt what you read in the scriptures, when you waver, when you wrestle with your thoughts at night, Go to the unchanging word and promise of God. And watch how he keeps his promises. He gave you his unchanging word, his purpose and his promise. Two unchangeable things that you might be encouraged when you need it the most, which is when your life is scariest or when your faith wavers. God does not change. God made an oath for his heirs by the unchangeable. Why? To encourage you. That's our passage in 
four phrases. We're talking about having an anchor for our soul, an anchor to hold on to. And you aren't the anchor. It doesn't matter if you fail. God will not fail. He promises to give you an unchangeable anchor for our souls. And that's really, really good news. Let me say this. We have an unchanging God who made an oath for his heirs by the unchangeable to encourage us. That's our passage, Hebrews 6, verses 16 through 18. Well, in light of that, we are anchored by the unchangeable. What difference should that make for you and for me? Four things to think about in light of this text. Four things to consider. If God is unchangeable, how should we respond to that? Well, the first thing we need to realize, number one, is that we change. The reason why it's good news that God doesn't change is because that means he's reliable. And that's really helpful because we change. We are not always reliable. When we say God doesn't change, we're talking about his reliability. We're talking about whether or not you can count on him. And we have to realize when we see in Scripture this unchanging God that that is so different than us because we change. That's point number one. We are not reliable. This is bad news. Just ask the birds, the local skipback birds. I have a bird feeder outside of my office, and my reputation among the Skipack, greater Skipack bird community, is that that guy is an unreliable provider. <laughs> Every once in a while, they get to that bird feeder, and there's nothing doing. There's nothing left. They're like, he only left us scraps. He forgot about us for a week. He can't go on vacation. What's up with that guy? Feed us, man through the window. But... Ask my kids if I've ever dropped them. If you don't know, I've got a 13-year-old son, an 11-year-old son, a 9-year-old son, and a 6-year-old daughter, and I've never dropped them. I'm a great dad, right? <laughs> Over the years, this is one of my favorite things to do as a father, and this is what God does for you, which is why I'm telling this story. Uh, if it's a long day and we get home past bedtime and I pick up one of the little ones out of the car and carry them to their bed, if I notice that they get scared that they're going to be dropped and they hold on a little more tightly, or if I'm carrying them through rocky terrain or whatever it might be, if I'm ever carrying one of the little kids on my shoulder and I sense that they're a little bit wavering, they're a little bit worried, they're a little bit scared, and they cling me a little bit more tight, I say this phrase, I say, has daddy ever dropped you? And fortunately, the answer is no, you've never dropped me. And then they can close their eyes and rest their head because dad has never dropped them. We change. We are unreliable, but God has never dropped you. He has never forgotten you. He has never forsaken you. He has never thought, oh no, I didn't know that was going to happen on Wednesday. I got caught off guard here. He holds you in his arms like a father. You who change, you who are unreliable, we need a God who will never change because we change. Humans change. We're not reliable. That's why we need a God. That's why it's so glorious that God is unchangeable. Parents change. Children change. Friends change. Hopes, dreams, and circumstances change. We change. And not only do we change, we can't trust our own hearts. Our hearts are fickle. We're too unreliable, too wavering. Jeremiah 17, 9. A lot of you know this verse. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We change. This is bad news. We're unreliable. And so we need a God who doesn't change, 
a God who is reliable. Uh, Plus, we're surrounded by other people who change. And the teenagers know this, how quickly friendships can change in school, in the neighborhood, right? Friendships change so quickly. Our nine-year-old son, Jude, was playing with his friend across the street the other day, or they were playing in our property. It was a couple weeks ago. And the friend, they got into a little squabble. The friend said, I'm never playing with him again, and stormed out of our house. Two hours later, he was back. But friends are, are fickle, but some of the teenagers here, you've lost friends for longer than two hours, right? Some of the young adults, you know what it's like. You've lost Friends forever, maybe. Friends change. So we change, and friends change, and we live in a country that's constantly changing, don't we? In some categories, our country would be unthinkable 20 years ago. If you want to understand where we're at as a country and how we got to the place where we are, I recommended this book a few months ago, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. I highly recommend it, but look how big it is. Wouldn't you know... They came out with the Cliff Notes version. Strange New World. Isn't that a great way to describe what's going on today? Strange New World. This copy is free after the service for whoever comes up and gets it first. That's a giveaway copy. And yes, I have another one in my office if you miss that one. Let me read the forward opening paragraph of the big book. Listen to this. Listen to this. Because we live in a world that changes. We change. People change. The culture changes. It's so startling where we're at right now. And that's why we need an unchanging God. And if you're talking to friends who aren't believers, you have a God that doesn't change. And if they don't, they're going to want something that isn't going to change. Just read the beginning of this, of the foreword. In his 1983 Templeton Prize address, Alexander Solzhenitsyn uh, offered this summary explanation for why all the horrors of Soviet communism came to pass. So he was a... um, someone who was a a historian in communist Russia. He said this, Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. And then the foreword says, This answer is also a valid explanation for the crises enveloping the Western world today, including the widespread falling away from the faith, the disintegration of the family, a loss of communal purpose, erotomania, erasing the boundaries between male and female, and a general spirit of destruction that denies the sacredness of human life. Because people have forgotten God, they've also forgotten man. And that's why this has happened. We change. Our friends change. Our family changes. Our neighbors change and our country changes. The world is in chaos. So that's why it's so important that we have an un changing God. It is so sweet that Christ offers an anchor for your soul that is anchored by the unchangeable. Because where else are you going to find that? What does an anchor do? You're on the ocean, you throw in the anchor, you take a nap, and when you wake up, you're still in the same spot. You haven't moved if you have a good anchor. Christ offers an anchor for your soul. That's really good news. That's number one. We change. We change. Number two, God's purpose doesn't change. God's purpose doesn't change. So the two things that are unchangeable, God's purpose and promise, number two is God's purpose doesn't change. We are anchored by the unchangeable, and God's purpose is unchangeable. Our church uh, doesn't have a a couple hundred missionaries that we support loosely all over the world. We have a, a small handful of missionaries, and I have the privilege of getting updates from the missionaries, and here's what I've seen over the years. I'll get a quarterly update or a monthly update. 
We have missionaries in Brazil and in Kenya, in Greece and Kentucky, in Rwanda, in Guatemala, in Jordan, and next month we're introducing you to one more. And when I get their mission updates, I have read them, and I have never, ever, ever, ever read a missionary update from one of our missionaries where they said, God is done here. God has stopped trying to redeem this region of the world. Never, ever, ever have I heard that report from a missionary. God's purpose remains the same. His purpose to bring redemption to the world, to bring a family out of the whole world for himself from every tribe, nation, and tongue. His purpose does not change. And you here in the Skipback region are part of God's purpose for his own glory. Ephesians 2, 8-10. through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's God's purpose. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, his purpose, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Listen to this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, there's his purpose, beforehand that we should walk in them. If you're here, if you are in Jesus Christ, God's workmanship continues in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. His creation continues. His prepared beforehand purposes continue. And it doesn't change. Jesus is the proof of this. Hebrews later in 13 verse 8 says this about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's purpose doesn't change. In 2150 BC with Abraham and in 2022 today with you and me. God's purpose doesn't change. That's number two. Third, and these last two are pretty brief. Third, God's promise doesn't change. Two is his purpose doesn't change to glorify himself throughout all the world, to bring redemption on everyone who cries out for salvation in the name of Jesus. Three is God's promise doesn't change. We're anchored by the unchangeable and his promise is unchangeable. That means God's word never changes. We don't get emails saying that God has updated his terms of service. And since you are a valued customer, we wanted you to know. For almost 2,000 years at the conclusion of our New Testament canon, we have not received an update to our Bibles. There was not malware in the original version that needed to be figured out. There are no exploits in here. In this book, there is no 4th John. There's no 2nd James. And there's no first opinions. And there's no second opinions either. God's promise, his word is sure today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So here are some promises for you that never change. Ready? Here's a promise for you that God has made and he keeps it every time. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Every time sins are confessed, forgiveness is given and people are cleansed. Every single time. That's a promise. It doesn't 
change. Here's another one. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while and it's like a roller coaster and you think, is he going to let me go? Is he going to let me off the train? Is he going to forget about me? No. If he started a work in your heart, whether you see it today or not, he will carry it to completion until the last day when Jesus brings you to the place he's prepared for you. In the new heavens and the new earth. Here's another one. One more. Jesus says at the end of Matthew, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You will never, ever be alone. If you're all by yourself in a room, you are not alone. And Jesus will be with you until the last day, new heavens and new earth. And then for millions of years, you will never be alone. If you are in Christ from this day for eternity forwards, you will never be alone. Because God keeps his promise. And third, his promise doesn't change. We are anchored by the unchangeable. His purpose and promise don't change. Fourth and finally, God changes us. God changes us. This is really good news. Remember point number one, we change. And that's bad news because we're unreliable and we give into sin and temptation and we fluctuate and we've let other people down. Well, God changes us. Us. Here's the good news for today. I'm going to say it three times because I think it summarizes our points this morning. The unchangeable God takes changeable people and makes us new for our good and his glory. Amen? I'm going to say it again. The unchangeable God takes changeable people and makes us new for our good and his glory. Amen again. One more time, and we're all going to say amen. The unchangeable God takes changeable people and makes us new for our good and for His glory. Amen. Amen. Because His purpose never changes. His purpose for you is holiness. Jesus Christ bought with His blood. Blood bought holiness. He defeated sin and Satan and death so that this week sin won't have to defeat you. So that death won't be the end of your life. So that Satan can't trick you every single time he tries. He has purchased holiness for us this week as we exemplified with the baptisms. Now risen to walk in newness of life. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. There's his purpose that we should walk in them. So God's plan for you is to walk in holiness this week. Because his son Jesus defeated sin so that it won't defeat you this week. God's promise for you doesn't change, brothers and sisters. Philippians 1.6 He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. For all who were baptized today, they are not trusting in themselves. They're trusting and putting their anchor in the unchanging God who promises to make all things new, including them. Christ offers an anchor for your soul that will never change. It will never change. It will never move. So my final word for you this morning is this. This coming week... Is in God's hands. And he gave you an anchor that is unchangeable. And there's even better news based on our scripture. Because God doesn't change, that anchor that is unchangeable for everyone who is in Jesus Christ, 
That anchor is so unchanging that even if you let go, He won't let go of you. He will hold you fast. That is how unchanging your anchor is in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Lord, you made a promise and you sealed it with an oath for all of the wavering heirs of the promise, the occasionally doubting, sometimes clumsy in our faith, heirs of the promise, you gave your word by two unchangeable things, your purpose and your promise, and you did all of that for us today so that we could be encouraged. May our greatest encouragement rest in the fact that this week, no matter what, you will not let go of your children. Thank you for that unchangeable anchor for our souls. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.